Welcome to In The Loop, the Charlotte Area Chambers podcast, where we talk about everything Charlotte with area business and community leaders. Here are your hosts, Chamber Chief Operating Officer Michael Orzak and CEO of Chase Media, Diane Chase. Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Orzak, along with my co-host, Diane Chase. Welcome, Dr. Elizabeth Teagarden. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Hello, Elizabeth. It's so wonderful to have you with us today. I am eager to jump right in because I know you have a fascinating personal and professional journey and wondered if you could just kind of give us a a nutshell of your career and, and what you're focusing on at this point. Uh, well, I am a workforce geek. I love all conversations about work. In fact, I often, when I will meet someone, the very first thing I ask them is, what do you do? Uh, and tell me about what you do. Um, I think what people do for a living and how they got to where they're at is endlessly fascinating um, and have had a lifelong uh, interest in um, you know, labor and workers and, and jobs and how things get done in companies, just to put it very plainly. So let's dig into that a little bit more on a on a uh, kind of on a high level. How did you come to your current career today? You've had an interesting professional path. Yeah, so um, I uh, set up a uh, a leadership and organization development practice in 2012 called the Tea Garden Group um, and just began doing work in that space, particularly in organization development change um, and leading change. Uh, did that for many, many, many years, had a very successful solo practice. Um, and along the journey, um, completed um, a doctorate. And technically, my doctorate's in adult learning or how adults learn. Um, there's a lot of workforce development um, stuff in that vein of study. And um, so it just took me deeper and deeper into uh, understanding a workforce, how uh, work gets done, performance process, um, and strategy. And so as I continued to help clients with their change process um, and with leadership issues, um, began to go further into assisting with corporate strategy, particularly um in the small and medium business space. And these days, my practice focuses primarily on uh, lower middle market. Um, And I am in a unique situation. Uh, A couple of years ago, I brought my practice inside of a law firm um, and we are doing a venture called CTK at Work. The CTK stands for Conrad, Trosh and Kimmy. Uh, Conrad, Trosh and Kimmy has been in Charlotte for over 50 years. Um, They are a diverse uh, law firm with practices ranging from estates um, to divorce and family law to business, uh, civil litigation, and employment. Um, And it was a natural fit. Uh, We began this journey together back in 2014 uh, when the firm uh, was going through the exit of its founders, um, uh, Manette Trosh and Lou Trosh Sr. uh, were moving toward retirement. And uh, they asked me to come in to help the new leadership team um, take on on uh, the partnership and we've worked together ever since. And um, that's how we came to start the venture as uh, they were a client of mine. And then now I'm very, very honored to be part of this great uh, firm, family firm. 
That's fantastic. What are some of the top changes you've seen in terms of, speaking of change, um, change management, uh, recruitment, company culture? Uh, I know that I see a lot of a lot of focus, which is gratifying, a lot of focus on improving company culture, making company culture a priority in order to increase retention and productivity. <laughs> I think uh, I, I, I think that uh, my short answer to that is that post-pandemic, Culture is a very hot topic. Talent and retention of talent is very important. The uh, the pressures on talent in the labor market in general are very real um, for all of my clients. But at the end of the day, from you know twelve years ago when I first started my practice to present. Um, the vocabulary may change, but the work of building a great culture is still pretty much the same. Um, I think that we talk about employee engagement. Um, that's just a new term for the old work of how do we get the most out of our people? How do we uh, get their attention to you know the work of the company? How do we uh, help them feel good about spending their day being productive for the company? Um, the vocabulary changes over time, but the work stays the same. And at the heart of culture, to put it in the most plain language, uh, it's people like us do things like this. And when you break it down that way, if a company can be very clear who the people like us are um, and then what, you know, do things like this, um, this is the way we do things and be very clear in their communication with their workforce about uh, who we are, what type of people you're going to be working with if you come to work in this company, and what we expect you to do if you decide to come work in this company. Um, those are the companies that have an easier time building a great culture because they make it very, very clear that uh, if you're one, if you're like us, you you'll have a great time here, and uh, and then here's what people like us do. Um, and that's those two things sound very simple, but they're very difficult to get clear about. So I have a question about how, you know, like everybody was working from home, right? And now companies want to come back in the office a little bit. Are you dealing with companies that say, okay, we need to get some of our employees back into the office? And how we do how do we do that? How do we how do we say we we need you can work from home maybe, but we also need you in the office and the pendulum needs to swing back to the middle somewhere. I am not finding it that it's as big of a concern with my clients now as it was 12 months ago. I think we've got a new normal about return to work. What we are finding is that the productivity um, peaks and valleys in a particular work week um, can be known if the company is interested in taking a look at that. And that's what I encourage owners and managers to do is, you know, okay, if we have a, if we have remote work, um, Monday and Friday, and we're in the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, what's productivity like across each of those days? And given that remote work is all uh, trackable, um, either the output's there or it isn't, you can pretty much see, you know, 
not just are people logging on, but is work going out the door? Is, is Are things moving in terms of work product moving through the organization? Those things can be measured. And this isn't spying on your people or anything like that. It's just being good manager and to know, you know, are we at our desk? Are we doing what we need to be doing? And if not, then we're having a, a really honest management conversation about productivity. Really, honestly, Michael, no different than whether we were in a traditional eight to five in the office pre-pandemic situation or whether it's remote. Managers still have to have those good management skills of being able to talk to their people about we need to be here. We need to get the work out where we sit, I think, is less of a concern. And again, uh, these are not new problems. These have been, uh, you know, the cornerstone of my consulting practice from the beginning is good management's hard to find. How do we be a good manager? You know, how do we be a good leader? How do we engage our people to get work done and uh, to get it done in a drama-free and, and um, effective way? Um, whether we're sitting remote or not, those are still the challenges in front of management and owners. But haven't you seen a, a change in in an awareness and need uh, for evolved communication skills between leadership and employees. So there's a there's a sea change that's happened from what I'm seeing and and hearing and and the clients I'm working with in terms of actually putting values and purpose into action and learning how to communicate in a way that keeps employees motivated and productive and engaged and aligned, all the things that that managers are are charged with doing. Well, again, no matter where we're sitting, work goes better when there's a relatedness at the foundation of everything. So managers taking time to get to know their people, developing a professional relationship with your direct reports, absolutely crucial. Once that's in place, communication is certainly a lot easier. Accountability is a lot easier. Um, in, in my work, which is more process consulting and strategy, um, less about communications, but more about strategy, um, being again, being uh, sure that your people understand what the standard operating procedures are for the work they are doing, how that work relates to everyone else on the team, how the work product needs to move from one person to another person, having good process documentation uh, removes a lot of the drama from a team or from a workforce in general. So I can't emphasize enough how much I encourage um employers or clients of ours to use um, selection assessments, psychometric assessments to, to know how to use them well or to get a professional to uh, to run them and interpret them for it. That, again, is something that small to medium businesses are reluctant to spend money on, uh, but can um, supercharge the effectiveness and absolutely raise the odds that the person you get is a great hire and one that can stay with you for a while because you know you've gotten the right fit from the beginning. So I never heard it explained to me like that way about recruiters. So let me see if I got this right. You have two different companies, like say they do opposite things or they're set up, their corporate culture is different, right? So, but they have a similar job to fill. They A, recruiter, a, a recruitment company would look at those two jobs, but also look at the whole corporation or the company and say, this person is a fit for this company and this person is a fit for this company, even though they're 
may be similar jobs, but then everything else that comes along with it. Is that how you're? Yes, a good recruiter is going to really understand the culture they're they're sourcing for and the mission, vision, and values if it's there in the company that they are sourcing for. There are going to be recruiters that may not take that time, but the good recruiters, the people who are really skillful at this, are going to look for a good fit to the company, not just, hey, these people fit the, the job description you're trying to fill. It's a much more nuanced conversation than, you know, hey, I need an accounts payable person or I need a, you know, uh, a HR manager or I need, you know, a, a whatever the position is. I mean, a lot of these positions and companies are standard positions. Some aren't, but a lot of them are. Um, but what's not standard is uh, the scope of work in a, in a small to medium business. You could have an HR manager that's doing three jobs, uh, or you could have an HR manager that's doing, you know, three quarters of a job, depending on how they've got the tasks laid out between perhaps the finance department, the HR department, and, you know, maybe uh, an operations manager. It can, be, it look, can look all kinds of different ways. So if you're working with a recruiter in the space that our members are in, um, you want to find someone who's very interested in your business and the situation that they're placing that person in. You also want to be sure that recruiters give you good guarantees um, so that if within 90 days, and sometimes you can give them pushback and say, no, I want a 120-day guarantee, the person's not working out within the first 90 days, they're going to they're gonna replace them for you. And, you know, that fee that you paid um, to have that uh, sourced for you um, then carries into a replacement. So be sure and look at the contracts. Be sure and, uh, that you understand the terms of working with a recruiter. But um, if it's done well, it's absolutely a spend that is worth it. Top tip from Elizabeth Teagarden to take us out on. <laughs> Top tip. <laughs> Uh, don't fire anyone in anger, please. <laughs> That's a good one. Very one, good. one of the great joys that I have in, in uh, CTK at work and the venture here with contract Comrade Trosh and Kimmy is that I have become a Superior Court certified uh, mediator here in North Carolina. You do not have to be an attorney to do that. And uh, I have the great joy of mediating on a fairly regular basis for the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission uh, for the North Carolina uh, Department of Labor and their Retaliatory Employment Discrimination uh, Division, um, as well as the Industrial Commission Workers' Comp. So across all three of those seats, where I get to sit in the neutral and I hear disputes between employers and employees, uh, one of the things I can tell everyone is if you're going to terminate someone, please don't do it when you're angry. <laughs> it's, it's not going to work out well. <laughs> no, this will not end well. It will not end well. It's going to be very costly on the other side. That's, for that's right. Mistakes are expensive. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Communication skills. It's what I do. And it's what, you, <laughs> what you've seen in action for sure. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking time to be with us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on In The Loop, the Charlotte Area Chamber weekly business and community podcast with your hosts, Michael Orzak and Diane Chase. If you'd like to be a sponsor, please contact us through our website, charlotteareachamber.com. Join us again next week for the latest scoop in the loop.